Hi and welcome to Check Your Thread, the podcast that will help you sew more sustainably. My name's Zoe and I'm obsessed with sewing. I've been blogging about it for over 14 years and I'm the creator and host of the popular handmade wardrobe challenge Me Made May. But like many people, I've become increasingly concerned about the climate crisis and the way that my lifestyle contributes to it. So in this podcast, I'll be nerding out about making clothes whilst exploring how to minimise the negative impact that it may have. I really hope you'll join me in this journey. When I receive some lovely feedback from a listener about an episode, it often falls into one of two camps. There's the feedback that's along the lines of, I learned a lot from this episode. And there's the feedback that's more, I loved listening to this conversation. It felt like hanging out with sewing friends. With any luck, today's episode will be receiving some of the second kind of feedback. It's a fun conversation with my two closest in real life sewing buddies, friends of the podcast, Julia and Naomi. If you've been a listener for some time or have gone back through the catalogue, you'll have heard Julia and Naomi before. In this conversation, we respond to questions posed by some patrons of the podcast on the subject of sewing confessions. I wonder how you'd answer the same questions that we were asked. So are you doing okay today? I hope so. It's the summer holidays here now, so time to work on the podcast is in short supply. Thankfully, I got ahead of myself with making episodes before the school broke up for the summer. That said, I have managed to create that downloadable resource that I promised. It's basically a written version of the recent Introduction to Garment Fabrics episode. A lot of research, writing and formatting went into creating it and I am super happy with how it's turned out. It's a 13-page PDF that covers all the info that I packed into that episode plus some more stuff. If you're fairly new to sewing or feel that there's some gaps in your fabric knowledge, then it is definitely for you. It should save you a heap of time researching various fabric terms yourself, plus it will potentially save you from making some costly mistakes on unsuitable fabric. You can find the resource in the shop tab of the Check Your Thread website, plus there's a link in the show notes. As with the Me Made May workbook that I created earlier this year, if you think that this resource would help you but you really can't afford the cost, email me and we'll work something out. So have you been doing any sewing since the last episode? I have done virtually nothing since last week. My spare time in the evenings has been spent putting together the garment fabrics resource. However, I am slowly pushing forward my project that's using up all those viscose and tensile slippery fabric scraps. I've landed on the plan to make a pair of wide-legged culottes with an elasticated waist. Early signs are that they're going to look pretty bold, but hopefully cool. We'll see. Sustainability wins this week. It's a small one, but feels significant for me in terms of my food growing goals. I made a meal at the weekend that included four things I'd grown myself in my little garden. I made some sweet potato falafels with salad and kale crisps. Inside the falafels themselves were some garlic and fresh coriander, aka cilantro, that I've grown. Plus, there were spring onions from the garden in the salad and I grew the kale. I'd kind of written my garden off a bit this year as a bit of a bust, but actually that meal was kind of proved me a bit wrong. So this week, I'm saying a huge thanks to new patron Catherine for signing up to support the podcast via Patreon. I also get to say massive thanks to existing patron Jenny for choosing to up the amount of their support as well. Massive thanks to both of you. I know that it probably sounds like the amount of patrons of the podcast goes up week after week. However, we also lose some some weeks. We've lost a few over the last week or so. I don't know whether that's because they're just not feeling the podcast so much these days or because money is tight. I have no idea, but I hope that they are still listeners and I want to thank them for the support that they were able to give. So this week is actually Check Your Thread's second birthday. We dropped the first ever episode on the 2nd of August 2021. If you fancy giving the podcast a birthday present, signing up to become a patron and supporting it with little monthly donations is the perfect gift. It is the most direct way to help keep Check Your Thread going. Please find the link in the show notes or on the website checkyourthread.com. So today's episode... As I say, this is a conversation between three sewing mates. It sounds quite different to most Check Your Thread conversations. It was all recorded on one track, so there's a fair bit of crosstalk, as there is in real conversations. 
Plus, there's some weird noise from time to time that I think was caused by my handheld recorder that I must apologise for. But it's a fun one. So big thanks to the patrons who sent in these questions many, many months ago. So please have a good week. Raise a glass or a mug to check your thread on the 2nd of August. Take care of yourself and enjoy. Um, hello, friends of the podcast, Naomi and Julia. How are you doing? I'm really good. Good, thank good. You, really good. Okay, right. Well, thank you everybody who submitted a question on the theme of sewing confessions. I'm very excited to uh, get chit chatting with you. Okay, right, here we go. Uh, oh, this is my question. This is oh. my question. Do you feel like you have a healthy relationship with sewing and have there ever been times when it's definitely been unhealthy? Ah. Do you think you have a healthy relationship with sewing? I think I'm slightly obsessed with wanting to make all the things. Mm. Like all the things. All of the things. All of the things. Like at the moment, I'm like, I want to make this, I want to make this, I want to make this. And I've lined up loads of projects. Yeah. And I've tried to be organised and I've put them all in little folders of like this pattern with this fabric and now I've just got bags of projects, <laughs> of multiple yeah. projects and I just still keep going, I want to make something else. So, so yeah, I think I've, it's out of control. Is it the, the <laughs> bit where like you enjoy the, yeah, the, like the matching of pattern and fabric or project and fabric? I mean, I do enjoy that when I think, oh, I want to make that dress or I want to make that jumpsuit or I want to make that top or like, that would be a really great idea. And then I don't actually have enough time to yeah. to do all of these things. Does that feel unhealthy? I mean, I'm not sure. I'm, I mean, is it unhealthy? Um, I don't know. I, I do wonder if maybe I should devote some of my time in my life to other things. <laughs> <laughs> Your husband. <laughs> he perhaps thinks I should devote some more time to him. But um, I do think, like, you know, you go to work, come home from work, have my dinner, Right, must sew stuff. And then. Is and that because then, you've been watching other people sew? I mean, when you've been teaching classes, yeah, you've like, been watching other people sew and you're like, I want a piece of that. Exactly. Or I'm, I'm working with fabric all day. I think that's a big problem. And then I'm like, oh, I want to buy that fabric and I want, want to make yeah. that project and I want to make this thing. So I think because, yeah, probably that, probably that. Like I'm either working with people teaching them to sew, so I want to make all the things they're making, mm-hmm. or I'm working with the fabric on the days that I'm in a warehouse and then I want to buy all the fabric and, and, and the thoughts are like constantly oh yeah. I could do oh I can add that and I yeah. could do oh yeah. yeah I think so it's not just the obsessive thinking about it and planning my problem is I will say oh okay I will I will go and sew for a, a few hours but also then in the allotted time that I have today do some other jobs or work on the other thing or do a blog on that or whatever and I get hyper-focused on the sewing. And I can't stop. I can't oh. find it very hard to stop. Really? I'm just going to go upstairs and sew a seam. Yeah, right. I can't <laughs> stop. I find it very hard to stop. Really? I become very hyper-focused on stuff. Yeah. I have to have like a time that I cut off. So like 10 p.m. That's like my cut-off time. I and lose. Then, I and completely I lose stop, track then. of time. The only time I, keep, I have track of time is when I have to pick my children up. And... <laughs> <laughs> And I have to, yeah. in which case it's like right to the fine, you know, and usually there's a room left. The only thing I'll manage to do is plug the iron out and then run out the yeah, door yeah, yeah, yeah. with like one shoe on. <laughs> but I find it very hard to stop, really hard. Yeah. So that's probably not healthy. So but do you think like, I think it's good for like your mental health. I feel like it for me, it's like I just, you know, you just absorb yourself in what yeah. you're doing. So mm. I think that's like a healthy thing. Mm. But I think... There's probably other things that I should be doing with my time that I'm not. I think it's healthy that sewing usually doesn't really involve a screen. Mm. So I think it's healthy in that way. I don't know. I've definitely had bouts of where I think it's, especially when the kids were tiny and I was thinking about sewing like loads because I feel it was like my thing. Yeah. But, I, but it got to a point where I think, like, I'm thinking about this too much. Yeah, but did you have thoughts about sewing when people were telling you other stuff that was quite important? Because I have that. Oh, <laughs> maybe. I wouldn't know. But I was thinking about John, sewing. if you're listening to this, not when you're talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> but it is that thing where you're having a conversation with somebody going, oh, but if I put the pipe in, it won't work. 
I wake up because I'm teaching people all the time. I wake up like in the morning thinking, oh, I've got the solution for how I can solve like Jackie's dress fitting issues, or I know what I can do with like Alison's pattern. It just comes to me, and like that's what I wake. That's my first thought in the day. Oh, so fair, my it's about sewing. <laughs> interesting. That's interesting. That yeah. So it's like maybe maybe you've already got so many projects on the go, but in terms of like other people's projects. I'm thinking about other people's projects and how I can solve their issues and also my own projects. But yeah. Because uh, is it the problem solving that you really love? I do quite like that. Like I, I, I feel like I don't like to be defeated. So it's mm. like I will find a solution to this. We will make this work. Like I've got a small amount of fabric. I will get that pattern cut out. Yeah, I, I see that in you. You're very determined I to can solve, see that. solve problems. <laughs> yeah, fix find things. the best way to do mm. something. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So why mm. can't you stop? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether it's that thing of, I don't know, it's having it finished, isn't it? Feeling like you need to finish something, which probably isn't healthy because it stops being about the process. And as soon as I finish something, I'm like, right, next. Like, yeah. literally the same evening, I'm like, well, well, that's great. That's out of the way. Yeah. What's my, next, What's my next thing? And I think I used to, we've talked about this before, I used to have quite a small stash. And so my projects, because I never, I, if, if I buy something, it's got straight into it, it's an idea. Very rarely is it not something in my head. And um, because of where I'm working, the ideas are coming faster. Yeah. And that's, it's getting a little bit bigger. And that's faster than you so much. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that kind of, Sewing fast just to get through, which is not how that's not healthy. I don't interesting. Think. It's not yeah. healthy, and well, I. This is why I'm doing this this last I was standing because mm. I was getting to the point where yeah I would buy a bunch of fabric and I would make some of it mm. and then I'd be moving on to the next idea, the next idea, the next idea, and or I guess the end of the season and you all right I'll leave that to next year. Yeah. And then I've got this fabric the next year that I think oh. and then it feels like a weight. Mm. So I just needed to put all that on pause. Even when I was like right, well I'm only gonna buy. At the beginning year, I was like, I was only going to buy, I can't remember, I was like eight pieces of fabric this year, no more than that. But I was still thinking about it all the time because I had that allotted allowance. So I was like, this has got to stop. So then when I was talking to Shams about the last I was standing, and it just so happened completely coincidentally that when I was editing it to release it, I was just, oh, I'll find the links, you know, to add to the sentence. It was, the new one was just about to start. And I was like, before I knew it, I'd signed up because it felt like, oh yeah, this feels like the right thing to do, you know, just to put the, the buying bit on pause. Mm-hmm. But also, what it does, I think, what I've seen it do for you is it pushes your creativity. Mm. So I think I'm sometimes, yeah, I think sometimes when I'm making things, I, it is I get caught up in the, the the prettiness of a fabric, and I'm not always finding ways to push my skills. Right. So I think. Then the unhealthy bit is I'm beating myself up like I've made another thing that is quite similar to another thing right. and hasn't pushed me and hasn't developed my skills or what I want to do or any of those things. It's just created another. So yeah, there is that. That part is unhealthy. The kind of afterwards of like, did I need to make that? Oh, okay, definitely. But and do, that's do you like then wear the thing, or do you do yeah, you feel like and I, well, think, I made that and I don't like it and it was just a waste of time? Less, less. But then they just have. You know, there's only so many things you can wear, which is the, the guilt then of making it. I have to say, the me made made pledge of, you know, finding things you don't wear and finding homes for them has really helped. And it, I was really nervous about it because I didn't want to, you know, sell someone something that I knew that little bit of the hem or, you know, oh, they're going to judge me. And But I just sold them. I thought, you know what? I'm selling they're them. They're not worried they're like, about that in Primark, are they? No, exactly. <laughs> oh, that and this is it. And so just rehoming things and people going oh I really like it and then the messaging I thought oh, I really like that that's great You're like oh great somebody's got to wear that now because they've chosen brilliant. it I realised one of my dresses somebody bought in Lithuania because it didn't write for ages and I thought, oh wow but it, it, it feels like yeah you know somebody else is wearing those now it's not like right now I can fill up my wardrobe with more stuff but I feel like okay if I'm not wearing it enough sell it to somebody or give it to somebody who's going to wear it and and be okay with that. Even did if you, you saw that one with the ice lolly thing? I did. That went to Lithuania. Is that the one I went to? I love that one. Aww. Oh, I should have gotten that sooner. But we talked it. about making a... Into, it would have been too big for you. And it would have been too short. Well, it was quite long. Putting it into a shirt. <laughs> but I thought, if I do that, am I going to wear it no. every two weeks? Like, it, to me, a shirt has to be something I put on for work at once a week or every two weeks. Or maximum every three weeks. Would I? No. 
mm. let someone else have it. That's the kind of attitude I had about it. And there's quite a few more things in my wardrobe that need to go. Well, if I'm not wearing it enough, is it wasteful having it in my wardrobe sitting there? Or would someone else love it? Yeah. Especially somebody who can't sew something to that level, let them wear it. And I'm feeling quite at peace with that, and that's actually a good feeling. That's brilliant. Mm. But yeah, but not filling up my <laughs> stuff to kind of... Yeah. So, so Julia, when you have stuff that you've made and it's not it's not worked out quite how you wanted it, or it's something that you're not wearing it, does that feel like a weight? Do you... Are you annoyed in um, the same way? Sometimes I am annoyed. Sometimes I think, why have I wasted my time like making that thing that isn't right? And then, mm. like I've had, I mean, I'm getting, you know, the more you, the more you make, I think you get better at sort of picking the right fabric, picking the right pattern, making things that you are going to wear. But then, you know, I've had fabric where I think, right, I bought that for a reason. I made it up into something, and then I've tried it, and I just feel a bit like, it's just annoyed, annoyed that I didn't spend a bit longer maybe kind of right. considering what that could have been yeah but i think i'm like you said the me made may things make me think right okay these are the things that i've really enjoyed wearing these are the type of garments i like to wear this is the kind of colors i want to wear i want more of that in my wardrobe so yeah. i'm not just mm. picking out things that i think a bit more so i dress very much I use colour mm-hmm. for my mood, to lift my mood. So where people will kind of go, oh, I need another pair of trousers. And yes, I don't really have another pair of trousers that I've made. <laughs> and I need to do that. But I also will, will very much go, I need to wear pink and red today because I feel quite low and that helps lift me. And, and I fill gaps in my wardrobe with colour. Like yeah. I will look at my wardrobe or I'll look something and go, I need, I need some coral. <laughs> so if I'm making a top anyway... I don't choose it based on always the style of the top. I'll go, right, ooh, have we got any coral in at the moment? I love that. I love that you do that. But I only figured it out with me and me. Huh. And my worksheet. There you go. <laughs> Did your worksheet. Cool. I think I've arrived at the same conclusion that I've kind of now thought of putting out a lot of things thinking I'm not excited by that. But I was the things I was really liking were like, things that went with my neon pink trainers, things I could wear like my bright neon pink earrings mm. with. And I was like, you know, the more brighter the colour, the better. So I feel like now I just want to buy fabrics and make things that are brighter and also things that are not just for summer. Because I think like the tendency is to like wear the bright colours in the summer. Yeah. And then in the winter... That's when you need the lot. most, isn't it? Yeah. In the winter. Yeah. I, don't, I don't go for the whole... In the winter, yeah. I've just got a lot of thick black, yeah, snuggly things because it's cold. Yeah. Um, so what why I need not is have more trans seasonal coral snuggly exactly, or red or things that I can layer up. So yeah, I hate it when you walk in. I mean, I don't buy ready to wear ever anymore, really. But when you walk into the shops and it's like, oh, it's autumn. It's all yeah, black, like, grey, yeah, maybe. Why? Yeah. Why? This is the time we need colour. Yeah, this is it exactly. I've really noticed that. Like making that sweatshirt that. Um, the green mm. sweatshirt with the lilac yes mm. makes me so happy to wear that yeah. and people's reaction to you you know it's like I can sometimes I'm walking down the street and I'm very colourful and some people kind of smile and <laughs> be in that mood where you're like what are you looking at and then you go oh me oh that's so funny yeah <laughs> like, oh yeah sorry oh. right next question I would love to know what steps you skip in sewing. <laughs> I'm sort of a lazy sewist, and I often skip steps like stay stitching, but I feel like really talented sewists probably never do that. What corners do you feel like are okay to cut? I'm really interested to hear what you both have to say about this. I think this is going to be quite telling. Well, I, I, ha- I had a very, very good, very good tutor teacher. So I don't skip oh. any steps. No, I don't. But I think it's more to do with the fact that I'm a bit of a rule follower. So even if I have the most straightforward pattern that I've made like three times, I will still cast an eye over it to kind of see what they, you know. And I will, I'll do things my own way, but I follow the rules. And I do, I mean, I always stay, I always do the things that I know will make the difference to my garment. Mm-hmm. You know, I know what's important, I think. But... <laughs> my big thing that I always skip is at the end 
when you have finished a garment and I cut threads as I go for all the overlocking bits on the inside that need to be kind of tidied up mm -hmm. and it's just at that point where you you know you want to try it on and photograph it and put it on Instagram because it doesn't exist if it's not on blah 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 <laughs> that's the point where I'll go I'll just tidy those up later ah and I often forget so, I like, so you're wearing dresses and garments and things with like the Primark look on the inside with the overlocker chains yeah, sometimes. <laughs> but but recently what I discovered was a garment that I had for, I probably worn it about four times before I realised that I hadn't actually overlocked the sleeve <laughs> edges. So the, yeah, the when you set the seam in. Yeah, yeah. because I was in such a hurry to finish it. It was probably for a show. We were doing a show or something and I, I think I had to finish it and it was like, yes, I've oh, got that in. Da, da, da. Yeah, it was only like <laughs> a few words. I was like, I never overlocked that. <laughs> and I then did. But yeah, those last little things. You kind of rush to get it on the body. To, yeah. I really think that this is very linked to the whole four tendencies thing that I'm obsessed <laughs> with. You know? Yes. You're looking at me quizzically. No, because you already told me what you thought I was. And I actually Obliger. started, I've been thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was like, obliger. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. What, so I'm talking about the four Rebel. tendencies. It's a, it's not a personality thing. It's it's specifically about how you respond to expectation, both internal and external. And I'll put a link to the quiz that you can, the free quiz that you can do in the show notes because it's so interesting and it's so telling. And you're a rebel, are you, Julia? I think it depends. I don't know. I think I think your mood can change and how you answer the questions can change. Definitely. definitely. So but I think there are overall... do it. Yeah, like I did it, you know, trends. I could do it one day and be like a rebel and another day maybe be more of an obliger. So I don't know. I don't know that I'm necessarily set in a pattern. Mm, interesting. Like I, do, I see I don't, you as a questioner. You see me as a questioner. <laughs> well, I think that's a fair, fair point. I don't like to be told something and then accept it. Yeah. Yeah, you <laughs> want to do the you really? do the change the order of construction oh, yeah, to what I think makes sense so yeah. I might not stay stitch a neckline if I know that I'm going to finish it next yeah. rather rather I, I don't like to like do I don't like to leave the neckline like raw mm. and then fanny around with the sleeves 
you know, I'd rather get the neckline sorted because I think that that's quite a vulnerable. Mm. But it's easier to do when it's flat. So if you like absolutely the shoulders, do yeah. it while it's flat before then... you put sleeves in, yeah. before you do side seams and things like that. Exactly. Mm. So yeah, I don't like to baste. If it, if the instruction says when bird are doing this a lot, it says baste followed by the word stitch. And then I just think, well, why? Just pin it and sew it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, gosh, maybe I'm a woman. Yeah. I also no, don't like the word based. No, because it was always tack. Well, it is. It's, it's was, an American term, isn't when it? When I was growing up. But it's the British term is tack. Yeah. And the American and the term is based. Tack's gone out and the window. Based is, I think, because we've become very Americanised. Tack has, like, memories of teenage sewing with fixed. I, I mean, not that it isn't, no, it, but it's just my, that's because I haven't heard it in years, because I've heard baits. But I just associate that with, like, you know, turkeys, chickens. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I just feel we need to hold on to the British terminology of things. Oh, just not like, do it at all. Like haberdashery. British stroke Irish, yes. Totally. Rather than hmm. notions. I thought notions was like equipment, and haberdashery was like, Buttons and zips. But on your pattern, it will say notions, notions and it will have yeah, like zips, buttons, all that stuff. Hmm. And I like quite like the word haberdashery. It's yeah, I love the word, word. haberdashery. Yeah. I love a haberdashery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Other other steps that one might skip. Mm, I think I've become. I've, I've started adding in steps. I'm just Whoa. thinking of all the steps that I don't. You know. You know when you're listening to people like. Where people talk about like, oh, I don't press, and I go, <gasps> no. It's the only time well, I, I ever do pressing. any ironing. Yes, really? I don't like ironing. I just think I it makes love such a difference. Pressing. I overpress. I have my ironing board behind me, and I turn and I press. It's like I, I press constantly. It makes such a difference to the, the overall look. Difference. I imagine it does. I wouldn't know because I just don't not press. <laughs> yeah. No, it's always perfectly pressed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't say it's perfectly pressed. I don't mean I do a good job of it, but. Yeah, cool. Okay, thank you for that. Right, Angela says, I'd love to hear what you just can't be bothered to sew and why. Not things you cannot make, but the things you do not make. As a follow-up, I'm curious if those end up being the things you buy or thrift instead, like undergarments or sweaters and jumpers. Or if you simply avoid wearing them all together, like jeans, in my world anyway. I mean, like homework. That's a great question. Oh no. Curtains definitely can't be bothered. Um, yeah. Years ago when I started sewing, I went into the curtain making class and made one miniature curtain. And that's the only curtain I've ever made. <laughs> I used to do, I used to make curtains for people for a while. Oh or god. Alter, or alter curtains. And at the time, I had the tiniest, like one bed flat. <laughs> and I was like trying to cut everything out on the floor. Oh no. And it was just an absolute nightmare. Yeah. And I was just like, to try and get, it sounds ridiculous, but to try and get something rectangular. Because it has to be like, mm. Perfectly rectangular. Yeah. It was just ridiculous. So yeah, I, it's I like wrestling a whale as well. I just think so you that's can. why you did a mini curtain in the sewing school I was in, because yeah. it was the only way they could fit it in. Exactly. So mm. I would not do that. I also think that there's plenty of shops that sell really good lingerie, and I don't need to. I've made bras, I've made mm. pants, but, I mean, it's not something... It's not like throwaway fashion, is it? It's like I'm going to buy a bra and I'm going to wear it until it falls apart and then I will repair it and I will continue to wear it. I have to say that with my pants, if they start to fall apart, I might be less asked to repair them. I will throw those away. (laughs) Yeah, but you're a knitter as well, aren't you? I am a knitter, yeah. So you kind of have all bases covered, don't you? So, So aside from undies... So undies, other things that I can't be bothered to make, I don't know that there is anything like garment wise. I think those are the only real things. Like, you don't knit socks either, though. Like as a knitter, I hate I, the idea I of knitting a sock I've, and then another one. <laughs> I have knitted socks, mm. but I've knitted them as like slipper socks. Mm. Um, I don't want to so wear them I've, in my I've shoes. I've knitted slipper socks, but I, I can't imagine wearing them and getting my shoe on with the knitted sock. Mm. You know, like my feet yeah. are quite big anyway. My shoe just about fits. I'm not going to get a sock. You can get bigger shoes if you need to. No, I can't. That's, That's wasted. I'm having to buy a whole new load of shoes <laughs> just because your socks. Are <laughs> also, I just yeah, no, I'm not a knitted. No, no. not a knitted. I'd sock like kind to be a knitted sock person. I like knitting socks, but they're more like kind of house socks. I went down that rabbit hole. Do you remember? <laughs> I think it was during lockdown. I'm trying, trying to, to make sew some socks. socks. That was not. 
a success. I, was, I had all this idea for, like, I've got all this knitwear, like secondhand knitwear, and it's just, it's the wrong kind of stuff. Picky battles, I think. Picky yeah. battles. I mean, yeah. So. I still buy bras, but that's not, I feel like I'm going to, at one point, really figure it out. But you've made mm. bras, you have made bras. I've made two, and neither of them have really been a success. Yeah, I've made three, and they're not quite right. Yeah. There was one thing that I felt was missing in, like, my sort of sewing knowledge world. Mm. It's like, I've not made a bra, so I did sign up and did uh, a bra-making workshop. I had the notion to, like, put the workshop on at the centre that I was working at so I could do the workshop (laughs) without having to pay under the guise of observation. So I saved a lot of money, did a bra-making workshop, and then made a bra that didn't fit, and then made another bra that didn't fit, and then made a third bra. You're selling it. That didn't fit. This is I the thing. I think you can crack it, though. I think if you, yeah. you know, if... I yeah. will crack it. I will crack it. They're not going to be, like, underwide things. I think they're going to be more, like, bralettes or I think bralettes bras would be easier. Okay, well, thank you for that, Angela. Okay, next question. Oh, I love this one. Okay, this is from Elaine. How big... A fabric stash is too big, in your opinion. Julia? I think if you can't accommodate it in the space that you have, then it's too big. Because basically, that's the point that I'm at. It's like, okay. I, you know, I have a lot of space, but there is a limit. Like, I, I don't have like a basement room that I can just keep putting stuff in, or an amazing big attic space. If you I did, would, would just, you keep buying fabric? I, I don't know. I, I kind of acquire it from people as well. So yeah. It's not great. It's not an ideal solution, <laughs> but that that's how I view it. So at the moment, I think, okay. So it's literally a storage limitation. It's a storage limitation for me. I, I, I have too much fabric. I do have to. I know I do, but I just feel I've, I've accommodated it in my space. Therefore, it's okay. And I'm, I've had to accept that. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you saw it from a physical perspective. Yeah. I very much saw it from a, an emotional, psychological perspective that is like, I get overwhelmed. It, it's, if I look at what's actually taken up with fabric, very little of it, there's boxes of the half a meter left over that I can't get rid of. And there's the tiny scraps that I've got in a bag for the quilt that I'll make when I'm retired. <laughs> and the, other stuff that I pick up in charity shops constantly, like a cross stitch or, you know, all of the other craft stuff. But in terms of fabric, there is a, you know, a three meter piece. I don't have a lot. Mm. And I've got a cupboard that that has to fit into. And I can see it through the glass. Mm. And that's, that, that looks at me. And so <laughs> that can't get too big. Because you don't really have a, you don't have a sewing room, do you? It's part it's of our bedroom. bedroom. Yeah. yeah. But it, I mean, there's loads of space. I mean, we've got boxes on top of fabric and all, you know, there's a lot of stuff there. But that is less of a space issue and more of a, I get overwhelmed because the project that fabric is meant for goes round and round and round in my head. Yeah. And I feel this urge that I have to make it once it's in my head. So that's why I don't have a huge amount of fabric. But what does grow in stash is the bits mm, that, yeah. I, that I I would like to be better at using. And I have. I've actually got better at going, ooh, that metre that's left over, that half a metre that's left over, I'm going to make a top out of that. And I'm trying to work through those as well in between. Yeah. But they also are part of that. And I think that's what gets very big for me. Yeah. The bits that I never throw away. I don't throw any of it away. Does anyone want some bits? No. <laughs> I, no, I, no I, I have, like, organised my bits in colour and I've got boxes ah. of small bits of fabric by colour um, only because when I wrote the books it was easier to do it that way mm. because the page had to be all like everything was blue on one ah. page everything was pink on another page so I just sort of put together the fabrics in that way and then I thought okay what pinks do I have for these samples for these techniques do you look bits. in it do you look in those boxes because I find like they go into a box well that's the thing <laughs> about like, a year later I, I kind like, of go in and go oh that fabric that I got <laughs> five years ago is still in there why did I keep that <laughs> yeah I, I have like I've offloaded a lot of stuff to students over the years so things that have I've acquired because like relatives have died or other people's relatives have died and they've given me their their haberdashery, their fabric stash, their wool, like everything. And I've I've just kind of filtered out some things that I've thought I'm not going to use that or mm. um, I'll take that to the fabric swap. Because sometimes you buy fabric, you've got an idea and then you leave it so long that you've 
forgot what the idea was you had when you bought the fabric. Well, that's, oh, why no, I've that's got a matter of days for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you need Stash Hub app. Oh, I haven't got time Trello. for those things. So oh. I was like, right, I'm going to put them in. I put a folder, put the pattern with the fabric in a folder, and then I had a mound of folders which were in a bag, and now I just have bags. Of and bags and bags, yeah. So I've got to stop doing that and kind of. But then the seasons change. Yeah. So I think, oh, I've got this amazing deal of like this um, quilted puffer fabric. It's going to be a really amazing coat. And then all of a sudden the sun came out <laughs> and it's completely the wrong time of year. So that's been part. Yeah. The and puffer fabric. The other ideas. The super thick sweatshirting yeah. and the fleece stuff. That's just not the not a good idea because it takes up, take up way so too much. They also didn't fit true. in the boxes. So they were just a pile in the bedroom. That was became a fixture. Yeah. Yeah. No, those are not good. I feel, for me, I think I'm probably more on the spectrum of Naomi in that it, well, it's both. It's a it's mm. a physical space thing, and there is an a, a, an emotional weight to having it. Yeah. And I think for me, that's more linked to the resources that have gone into producing mm. the fabric. I really abhor those kind of memes, like the she who dies with the most fabric wins. Yeah. I find that is just. It's just encouraging overconsumption and overconsumption of anything, be that fast fashion or fabric or anything, isn't good. I mean, for me, I would like to get to a point where, I mean, scraps aside, main bits of fabric, I have no more than I could use in, say, a year. You know? That would be a nice goal to have. Yeah, but I'm not, I don't think I'm that far off. But with, yeah, I hope to get there by the end of this last thing. Okay, well, it's very. Per- I think what we've discovered is personal. that it's very personal, mm. and there isn't a right or wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's very. I think it's very personal. To I'm not. I'm not. In t- I do consciously think. Okay, I don't need that, or you know, will. I think when, you know sometimes you see a fabric and you know if you don't buy it there and then you won't see it again. Mm. So sometimes but I there do. There is always just more it. fabric. There is always more fabric, but there's mm. definitely certain ones that you think I've got to get that. Yeah, like yeah. that is going to go away and I'll never so see. Hard. Yeah, and I think the ones that I think about, and I'm like, I'll just buy it. Okay, I'll just buy it. But I, I try to only buy if I've got like a project in mind, and I know, and, that, I, only, and I actually need that item as well. It's not like I only I buy those it. fabrics that are really, really special that I go, I don't know exactly what yet. But usually by the time I bought it, I do. But I think we're in the, in a position where because where we work, we can we can wait. We don't have to. We're not in shops where we're going in and going, oh, I need to buy, I need to buy. I never buy it like that now because I, mm. I work somewhere where I can see it. I know it's there before anybody else does and I have time to think about yeah, it. and, and keep I keep an eye on how quick it's going. Yeah. 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 And then it's like, oh, and if anybody sees that go below something else, can you just let me know? So, <laughs> so I do think about it a lot more. I don't buy impulsively. I never see a fabric in a day and buy it the same day, ever. So a lady's also asking, do you twelve? aka muslin, mm. or not bother. And they're saying, I'm wanting to make a more fitted skirt and might need to give some precious sewing time to a twelve and zip skill build. I'm kind of like... I'm team twelve. I am team twelve because I... And I try and instill this in my students as well. And then Naomi's like, she always makes me twelve and I don't want to. And a lot of people just want to rush straight in. It depends on the pattern. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely depends on the pattern. If you're making something fitted yeah. and you've got expensive fabric, definitely twelve. Even yeah, if I make it's a, a lot of things that aren't 12. fitted, so I've gotten the habit of not having to. But when I do something fitted, absolutely. Mm, agreed. Absolutely. And agreed. trousers, fitted trousers. I mean, if they're wide, probably would get away with. But I will tissue fit as well. So I will often like tissue fit the bodice if it's a tissue pattern, mm-hmm. and I'll fit it that way but if it's a fitted bodice I absolutely would use but I will only twirl the parts that I need to and yeah probably, I probably skimp on like eh, you know I'm not gonna put the sleeve in or that will do fine I yeah. will you know I'll do less than I need to but definitely a bodice of anything fitted I, would I think at the moment I'm making such a limited range of garments like I, I, I'm making dungarees I'm making blouses and mm. I think that I've I've got enough patterns now that I know that work that I can kind of, if I am using a new pattern, I've got something to reference it with, you know, so I can lay another pattern that's very similar on it mm. and check. I'm not making a lot of fitted things and I'm not making a wide variety of things because my life is fairly casual. 
so I'm not twirling a lot, but I'm I'm very much team twirl in essence. <laughs> yeah. In theory. And I have got things recently where because I've been in such a rush, I haven't and it shows. Mm. Thinking of a dress, cut it out with COVID, locked at home, COVID brain, went for the slightly slight larger bust, but then, you know, the whole top of you know, just didn't fit my body. And I need yeah. to now unpick the whole thing. It is really worth it. What about a wearable but... twirl? Would you do a wearable twirl? I don't twirl? do the wearable. No, because like, it's like, I mean, I'm making something or I'm not. I don't like the idea of testing something in a decent fabric that may or may not work. If I'm testing it, I'm testing it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Right. And uh, it's also asked, which I really like this one, what is an acceptable amount of new garments to make for yourself each year and still be sustainable? Well, <laughs> Julia's like, that I don't care. Less than what I... Well, sustainable. Being sustainable is like you know, make wear what you've got, wear what you've got, repair what you've got. Don't make anything new. Which I don't don't claim to be. Don't buy any new fabric. Don't don't sew. Yeah, there's no such thing as sustainable anymore. Sustainable. Okay. Well, Well, I guess it's another personal thing. Like, how do you feel? Like, is that a factor for you? Yes, but it's not. I'm not. I'm not there. I mean, I'm. I I feel guilty a lot. I think with with some of the things that make because. I make things sometimes because it fills an emotional need and I make something sometimes because I'm really doing a show and I've been gifted the fabric and, you know, it... You're very good at making things that you actually do wear. Yeah, but then it becomes that personal thing of, like, how many times should you be wearing something? Should yeah. you have, you know, I've got jeans I wear once a week. They go in the wash and then they're worn again. I've got Pato joggers that are, like... My holy clothing, I think of brands you made me, and they're on again. But, you know, the dresses, I've got quite a lot of them. You know, do they get enough wear to merit having mm. as many as they do? So I would say yeah. no. This is one of the reasons why I don't really like making things out of prints, because I feel like mm. a, a print, you wear it, and then you're not going to wear it too many times in the same week, I don't think. I think you feel like, oh, I've worn that. Whereas I think you can get away with... Plainer garments more frequently than that you thinking. I wear prints because a lot of what I make are jumpsuits and dresses, mm-hmm. and I put plain polo necks on in the winter. But I think that I the prints isn't the thing for me. It it is more that I just I probably have too many of them. Right, it's the quantity. I do have a lot of them, and I know that then there are the gaps where like the plateau joggers. I've got two pairs. I probably would wear four of them. Yeah, you know, they're the things I need to wear. Yeah. Um, so I don't think I get there to the point where I feel like I've made too much stuff for myself because I'm making a lot of stuff for my kids as well, mm. and they grow like they need suddenly a load of pants or the season changes and all their summer pajamas from last year don't fit anymore. So mm. there's a lot of making for other people. So I don't. Actually, I'm not actually making that much for myself. Mm. So, I mean, obviously there's been times where I have, but there's definitely some things that I should make more of. Like, I only have the one pair of shoddy, shoddy leggings. Where are they going? I should make more of those. Yeah, I need to make more leggings. Like, I, that was one thing, like, during Me Made Made, I, I wear a lot of dresses that are kind of just above the knee that I just throw on with a pair of leggings. Oh. And I wear leggings all the time. Yeah. And I buy them from a couple of shops where I know that, you know, they're, they're pretty cheap. But I wear them and wear them and wear them. And mm. when you get when I get holes in them, I repair the holes and then I'll wear them and then I'll sew them up again. And then eventually when they're trashed, I'll cut the legs off and they'll become like kind of chub rub shorts that I can wear under like short dresses. Mm. Or I wear them to bed. Or, or whatever so they they kind of get a lot of use but I just think maybe I should just make some that actually fit me better because because I never they're was... never quite the right size yeah right. and when I did I mean for me I wear leggings around the house too I've got maternity leggings that I still wear the, 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 my one pair <laughs> were maternity leggings Frankie's now six <laughs> no I, I tightened oh, the leggings okay the elastic uh, uh, I had the ones that I had from Brody Brody days <laughs> so I would uh, but I made, I had to make the plateau joggers for work, but then I ended up making a pair and for myself. But I made a pair in some sweatshirting that doesn't shrink, that doesn't, you know, if you're putting the money into mm. buying the quality fabric, 
which none of these things you buy from shops are made of, mm. yeah. that actually last. Yeah. Because normally what happens to me is, I do, well, if I put on a pair of jogging buttons that have shrunk and then they're really tight around my tummy, which is, you know... That's really not, not the point of jogging buttons! And then they, <laughs> but this is what happens with things that you buy. They're not... Where these... I like every time I put them on, I have that feeling of like, oh, I love you so much. <laughs> That's what I need to make yeah. is another pair, you know, not 10 of them, but another couple of pairs so that when they're in the wash, I've got another pair. Yeah. And I can feel the joy from The other thing that I, I it was a, a Marlowe cardigan, a, a sweatshirted cardigan, right? And it's bringing me so much joy. So sometimes it's those basics. Yeah. You have to go, yeah, that's what I Isn't it interesting that Elaine's asked a question about, like, how much you can make and to be sustainable. We've answered, like, what we need. <laughs> We've just given, like, a list of things we should make. I think it's being more mindful. It, I, I don't know that I feel guilty, necessarily, about my consumption of fabrics and how many clothes I'm making. Because I, I kind of think, surely the comparison would be, well... Are you shopping online and going to like ASOS mm. or Primark, yeah. or yeah, are you yeah. are you going in there and, and bringing out absolutely like pocket well, they, loads of? I think that's a really good, good point. And then going home and then going, it doesn't fit, and then taking it to the charity shop. Are you accepting the sheen voucher that you're offered constantly? Well, and also like, do you do you resist like buying stuff online from cheap mm. places, or do you buy that kind of stuff mm. which just perpetuates the kind of fast fashion thing? Yeah, and that's a really good point that you make because. There are known averages that people, I think, isn't it like something like people are buying an average of 70 garments a year. Wow. We're not making 70 garments a year. Oh my gosh. Are we? No. No way. So there's some people obviously that are buying a lot less, but there must be people that are buying a lot more. I mean, I could. And that excludes underwear as well, I I believe. I could make less clothing, but I feel like it. It kind of fulfills a number of things. It fulfills like the fact that I I want a garment to wear out to an event I'm going to, or I need some more staples to wear to work, or I'm cold, I need another jumper or whatever. But it also fulfills like a, a mental kind of satisfaction, doesn't it? It's mm. like this is making me feel good. Like I love creating. I want to be making something. Um, mm. So it's not. It's not like, oh, how sustainable am I being? I'm being conscious about the type of fabric I'm buying, how much mm. I'm buying, what I'm making. It's it's about the whole process as well, isn't it? It's about the joy that you get from making it and then the joy you get from wearing it. And I think the point as well about the fabric. So I've, I've found myself having this conversation, especially like when we're doing open shows, when I'm talking to people about fabric to buy and talking about jerseys and things particularly. And one of the big discoveries for me was when I first made basics like Polonex t-shirts out of really good quality jersey Mm -hmm. and you know it isn't easy for everybody to spend that money on fabric you know in a position where it's cheaper for me and I'm lucky but I have you know Polonex tops turtleneck tops whatever that in the winter I wear in rotation Mm -hmm. you know at least once a week these tops are worn and they haven't shrunk they haven't bubbled and that one faded and you know and if it gets under the arm goes a bit i overlock it and it's mm. it's fine and so i find myself kind of having this little rant to people about not just the investment in terms of that you know this top is going to last you but this one top people will have bought 10 yeah 20 of that top from primark and it's not as good quality but it's not meant to be yeah it's not meant to last so they'll buy you know and i'm trying to push my sister into it's like you need to make these things that last longer because the basics that i have that i've made myself look pretty much exactly the same they did that I made them. Yeah. They made them. So on that score I think it is really that is more sustainable. Yeah. It's very tempting though, isn't it, to like make pretty things that that look really nice, that are kind of just filling you with joy and you put them on. It's you know, but then it's like, okay, well I can't wear that big floaty dress today because it's blowing a gale, which it always does around here. It's too windy and if I go out it's gonna be up around my ears and everyone's gonna see my pants. And I still make the dresses because I do wear them, and they do go around my ears, and I find hilarious. But I make them less. That all the neighbours have seen your pants. There is a few dresses okay. that I've gone right. Well, I know that's too much for me, and I know that's too dressy, and I won't. I don't have evening events, so I don't have adapt to that bit. I think, but I but I will always wear the big dresses because I think people need to see my pants. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. So Jill has asked us. This is so funny. Have you ever cancelled plans 
uh, or made up an excuse, basically lied, so that you could stay home and sew. And if so, what excuse did you use? Who listens to this podcast? I, I was I'm just wondering. wondering I'm <laughs> I was just wondering the same thing. Yes. Have you? Oh. Cancel plans. No, not cancel plans. But made stuff up so you could stay at home. I often say I've got to work. And when I say work, I mean... <laughs> yeah, work yeah, on my expanding my wardrobe. <laughs> so because, I'm yeah. done, because I don't teach in school anymore, and I work for a fabric company, and I sew for a fabric company, sometimes I'm sewing there, and sometimes I'm sewing for, you know, myself, but it can be... Yeah, it's quite fluid. Mm. Work. So that's work exactly it. I just say that I've got mm. to, I've got lots of work to do. Yeah. I have, yeah, I have made excuses to leave somewhere early and said I've got lots of work to do. Have you? Yeah, I mean, the, the situation had become a little bit difficult anyway, so it was a good kind of get out clause, like okay. with a family thing. So it was like, yeah, I've, I've got, I've got lots of work to do. Um, we need to go. <laughs> love it. And I think I've convinced myself that. I mean, it's not even that I'm lying because in my head it's like, oh yeah, this is important. It's work. I've got to go. Put the hem on that so I can wear it. But yeah, work. I mean, it's very important <laughs> though, isn't it? <laughs> I I haven't, but I I do get very relieved sometimes when somebody, somebody cancels. else cancels and you're like, yes, <laughs> yes. I mean that's just generally anyway because I'm such an introvert. It's like there's very few social things is excluded where I'm like, yeah, oh good, don't have to do that now. Right, well, let's power through. We can do this. Okay, um, Jill also asks, what reasons or excuses do you use when someone says, could you just shorten my curtains or put a new zip in my jeans or take up my mother's skirt? Um, at one time, Jill was going to call her house Isbida. Isbida? I'm not going for ISO, but I don't do alterations, which is amazing. <laughs> I, interesting. I have a, quite a lot of people that ask me to do alterations, and I, bet I you do. do. I do do alterations for some people, but I kind of just have to draw the line. Uh, but I had a friend the other day who said, oh, um, I've, I've bought this top and um, could you alter it for me? And maybe I could just buy you a drink to say thanks. Whoa. So I just messaged her back and was like, I'm just going to lay it on the line. I can, I can alter your top for you but I will charge you for however long it takes me. So it's probably going to be about £20 to fix and left it there. Nice. Because I just thought, no, you can't just buy a drink for me because no. what do you spend your life doing that I'm going to just say to you, oh, could you like just design a website for me yeah. and I'll buy you a drink? Is that okay? Yeah. Because it's really not. Sometimes it's that approach of like, oh, you love doing this, don't you? So I'll do you a favour and give you more. Yeah. It's almost like... You love sewing. Wouldn't you love to yeah. sew my thing? It's like you're not doing me a favour. Yeah. First like, of all, like we're all sitting I mean, around I sew waiting. For myself. Yeah. I don't sew for anybody else with pleasure. I sew for me with pleasure. Secondly, you're not doing me a favour, but it is. Uh, I think there's also that thing where people kind of blur the lines of what you enjoy sewing. So when you sew garments and you like to be creative with that, and sometimes we'll even you know draft your own things, and then somebody, which has happened to me, who you don't really speak to that much, but your kids hang out, messages you and says, oh, could you take my daughter's curtains off? <laughs> like, no. Like, you literally, you can't find a reason to use your own sewing machine and you're just waiting for someone to give no, you a reason to use your sewing I, machine. It's, I don't know, it's it's that thing of like, you do that thing, don't you? So you'd just be happy to do that. No, like, mm. take the time to understand. Is, I, um, I don't do upholstery. You know, I don't make her. It's a really weird thing I find with, with people that sew that that other people think, "Oh, you can sew, you can you can take my trousers off, or you can fix my but trousers." But not only that, but you would love to do it. But yeah, you just think, no, why? Why would well, I yeah, do that? Like, I would but... never say to my friend, and the, the equivalent would be like, "Oh, you're a carpenter. Could you come round and build me some cupboards, and then I'll take to the pub for a drink?" Yeah. When it is something that is mostly women you know the majority yeah. of people are so or the larger number are women it is that this is something that you're going to do for free because yeah. it's just this frivolous thing, thing that you do yeah. and would you in a more male dominated industry would you say the same thing no no of course no. you wouldn't sure i don't enjoy doing alterations for people because i i'm i'm worried that it won't you know that I, it won't be what they want it to be if you say i want a garment made in this size 
that's okay. But when I start, it's I don't feel confident with that. So when I say no, please just accept that. No, yeah. I don't want to do that. I think some people find it hard to say no. They don't know. I think mm. you know if, if your friend's saying, "Oh, can you do this for me? Can you do that for me?" And I have in the past. I've done loads of things for free. Or I've done loads mm. of things on the cheap, and then. And then afterwards, just thought, oh, like I've made your entire family outfits, and you've cooked me dinner. Um, that wasn't a good swap, and then no. I, you know, kind you of get guilted into things. Yeah. And and also you learn as well. Like I've done alterations for people, and I've worked with some terrible fabrics, and then you just say, okay, I will never alter anything that's chiffon. Mm-hmm. Or I would just say no to jobs, and I don't want to put a new zip in your jeans. Oh yeah, even my so I'll alter things for people who are close to me. My sister said, could you put a zip in my jeans? I was like, sorry. No, oh, I love yeah. you, but no. <laughs> I remember when I was in my early to mid twenties, and I'd been to university and I'd done fashion design and I was really struggling to get into the clothing industry. I mean, I was always doing bits and bobs on the side, like making bags and stuff, but I wanted to get into quote-unquote fashion because that's kind of what the goal of the course was. And I ended up working in casinos for a couple of years and I would do a lot of alterations for people, partly because... Yeah, I didn't really understand my worth and, you know, you want to please people. But also it felt like I was in, I was working somewhere that didn't feel like me. But I almost felt like it was like some validation that I have this other life, that I have this other skill. Mm. And that I was kind of being, and I did it for money. Uh, do you know what I mean? It kind of gave me almost like a connection, although I don't want to go into professional alteration. It felt like it was a connection. Oh, no, I don't, yeah. Some of it was fine, and it was a nice way to connect with some people. Like, for example, a lot of the security guards at this the first casino I worked at were quite shorter and, and really like they would like did a lot of like weights that were quite stocky, and they all needed their jeans shortening. So they used to literally bring me their jeans with a safety pin at the right level because they'd got their partner or whatever to safety pin it and then give me a fiver and and it was fine and I had the top stitching thread already and I would just do that and it was it was kind of then a nice small little connection and they valued it they saw it was a skill that I had but I do I mean I've just done a couple of wedding alteration not the bridal party but a couple of wedding guest things for for my neighbours because they feed my cat so yeah, you know and they really appreciate it I'm only ever going to do it for people that genuinely appreciate it and there's some sort of swap mm. I think mostly it's people's lack of understanding what is involved mm. and it's like oh you can just do that you know and then they yeah, don't take you 10 minutes much. and you're mm. like no it's going to take yeah. two yeah. hours yeah how do you know it's going to take 10 minutes most of the alterations I've done are ones where someone has got something and I'll go, well, I'll do that for you. Mm. Because one, they haven't like expected me to do it. Two, I can recognise that it's, it's something that I can do and it's quite straightforward. And it's nice to offer rather than someone yeah. to take you completely for granted and go, oh, you can just do that, can't you? It yeah, makes you angry, it doesn't it? Sometimes mm. it just makes you angry. But just talking about alterations, I did, you know, I have kind of done alterations over the years for money, like in between jobs. And I've just, some of the most disgusting things that I've done <laughs> I've I've had to I've had a lot of people who want their jeans mending and most of it is men's crotches. Yeah, oh, yeah. So I've sewn, washed them. I've sewn many a men's many a man's crotch on his jeans. And I had um one client who he had about four or five pairs of jeans and they smelt really bad. He had a basement flat and he had a dog and oh. it was all kind of like that kind of damp basement smell with dog. Mm. And I, in the end, I just said to him, I'm really sorry, I, I poured a, I poured my tea in the bag by accident, like I spilt tea and it went in your bag and I had to wash them because I just had to kind of lie that I, I couldn't touch them until I'd been through the wash because they were so horrible. So yeah, I've sewn off Could a lot Could you not of, just flat out say, look, everything's been laundered before you pass Well, I should, I, I, you know, should have done. And in hindsight, I would, you know, after that event say that, but at the time yeah. that was my kind of... I'm just going to wash them all and, and go through yeah. with this. But from that point onwards, would be like, you wash them before you give them to yeah. me. The other thing I've done is a lot of older people's trousers where they want them shortening yeah. because they've started to shrink. And when you unpick, there's loads of dead oh, skin in the hem. Oh. And it's, it's really gross. So you unpick oh, it because you... I didn't know that was what you were going to say. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, fluff. No, no it, it must be dead skin. <laughs> oh, no. But yeah. 
we should move on. Move <laughs> on, okay. Okay, thank you, Jill. Um, <laughs> thank you, I think, Jill. Um, well, thank you, everybody, so much for your questions. Uh, it was really fun. It's been a My very opinion. positive experience. Yeah. Thank you, Zoe, for having me on the podcast again. Yeah, have, there been any, thank you. have there been any surprises? Have we learned anything about each other? I don't think there's anything I didn't know. It was I mean, I didn't know just... you worked in a casino. I'm like, I've three, got questions. Three casinos. Were you a croupier? Were yeah. you like... I was a dealer, yeah, I was a croupier. You was oh. a dealer and a croupier. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, thank you so much. Let's do this again soon. Yeah, let's yeah. do it again. For another year. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and are left feeling inspired. For more info about the podcast, including show notes for this and every episode, head to checkyourthread.com. I'd love to hear from you, so if you have any comments, questions or ideas for future episodes, please get in touch by emailing zoe at checkyourthread.com or find me on Instagram at checkyourthread. Massive thanks to Patrick Potter for production support, to Sylvia Seller for the awesome logo design and to Simon at Palm Skin Productions for the music. This ad-free podcast would not be possible without listener support, so if you feel you are able, please consider signing up to the Check Your Thread Patreon. For the equivalent of buying me a coffee each month, you'll be making it possible to continue producing regular episodes. Links can be found in the show notes and on the website checkyourthread.com. I hope you'll listen again next week. Until then, take care. Bye!